HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Greenhorns Radio, this is Severin. Welcome today. It's Thursday, the 19th of September, and we are joined on the telephone today for our show with Eric Hoffman from Missouri. This is, as you know, Greenhorns Radio by Young Farmers for Young Farmers. We are proudly sponsored by Hearst Family Ranch in California, and we are coming to you live from the Hudson Valley. Eric, are you there? I am. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on today. I'm so pleased that you joined us. Um, Eric, would you mind introducing yourself, where you are in the world, and um, and what you do every day? Okay. As Severin said, my name is Eric Hoffman, and I'm in the north-central part of Missouri near a town called Trenton. And I'm a 24-year-old dairy farmer who has just started out and is two years into this little adventure I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, we're milking cows, and we're running them out on pasture and uh, just having a good time. Now, if you wouldn't mind, tell us how um, how you came to have access to that nice land and um, and what was going on before you started your, your grass-based dairy. Okay. <clears throat> well, this all kind of started uh, with, with an idea I had while I was in college. And... Um, I began pursuing and looking for a place to actually develop and, and put a put a dairy barn up. So I found a I found a piece of ground. I actually leased the property, and it was in the conservation reserve program. and And its term was up, um, and there needed to be something done with the property. So we went through and added forages and, and grasses and tried to develop a feed source that was suitable for making milk. And uh, that's kind of the first step uh, in the process, but that's just a little bit of what you have to do. You have to go a little further and, and divide the farm up so it can be managed to keep the quality as high as possible so you can uh, yield the milk that you desire. So where were you getting your um, where were you getting your training and, and what resources were you tapping into when you were doing that farm planning and and okay. learning about um, pasture and, and range management? Well, I actually grew up. My father's an agronomist, so I had a lot of knowledge coming up as a young child. Um, but on top of that, while in college, I did an internship on a pasture-based dairy uh, in Southwest Missouri that is actually owned by. Um, some New Zealand folks who came in to 
our our state and have have put up several farms and that's kind of where I extended my knowledge a little bit and and looked at some different management systems and uh, kind of got a better handle for what I really wanted to do with my uh, with this farm and when you cho- when you went to look um for your cattle what were you for your cat for your dairy cows what were you looking for in the breed and what did you end up deciding on okay well what uh, what i went with was a crossbred animal uh, it's at uh, i was looking for something i could get get in cheap uh, but still have an animal that would produce uh, milk on pasture and would rebreed and would be a sturdy, durable animal uh, because of the walks that are required moving around the farm. So most of my cows are about a 1,000 pounds, which is a little smaller than average, and uh, they're mostly mostly dark-colored animals, but they would be a cross between a Holstein and a Jersey. So that's kind of the route I've gone uh, so far. And so you're yielding... Um you're getting the best of a jersey maybe and the best of the whole scene, so you get a higher volume, bigger animal, but then more cream. Is that, that kind of how it shakes out? Yeah, that's kind of how it comes out. Uh, in, in my part of the country, we're paid on uh, butterfat content and, and protein content as well as uh, fluid milk. So it kind of pays off to have some jersey influence in your animals, and that that was a big part of why I chose the jersey, but uh, also... Their durability is is they're noted for that, I guess you could say. So that that's a definite advantage. But then you got to have something else in there to increase the increase the volume of milk produced, and and that's where the Holstein comes in nicely. So now you're producing um, milk on quite an, a kind of large scale um, to the point where you must be partnering with a distribution company or a milk co-op right what's your what's your fluid milk um distribution model my 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 co-op is is dairy farmers of america and they service um all the farms all the dairies in my area which are very few anymore but um they're they're that's our choice up here is to go with them and uh, they've been doing a pretty good job for me and and the other farms in your area are they also doing grass-based dairy, or or what's their practices like? There are there are several that are um, of the grass-based nature. When we speak about grass-based dairy, some there you have to understand there's a, a hybrid model and several hybrids of the pasture system. Uh, depending on how much forage you can grow uh, in your growing season, uh, all across the Midwest, uh, that would vary quite a bit. So. Around me, most everybody uses pasture. To what extent, um, that's kind of the question. Uh, for myself, I try to use upwards of 65 or 70% of the, the animal's actual dry matter intake or their diet requirements, in other words, uh, it comes from the pasture. And that's higher than normal? Oh, yeah, that'd be that'd be higher than normal. Um, there's, there would be some folks around the country doing uh, doing better than that, um, but as your cows um, age and, and you get your genetics right and you get your pasture right, that percentage could increase um, without a doubt. Yeah. So this is very exciting, and you've been going on this now. You come back to the farm, is it four years now? 
Uh, no, this is my second year. Yeah, we had. Oh, this is your second. Yeah, so this is my third year out of college, but we took a year to get everything ready, and this is the second second year milking actually. So, so how are things um, how are things progressing in your in your in your five year plan, and and have you kind of shifted your priorities or your focus? Well, you know, um, I've been satisfied with some of the some of the goals I've met, and some other ones. Maybe not so. The milk price has kind of held down some of my plans, um, and a couple years of absolutely wet weather in uh, our part of the state has has kind of slowed the development of my pastures and um, and things of that nature. But all in all, um, I'm kind of getting closer to where I need to be in terms of of having an efficient model. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't care. I just assume milk less cows, but um, if it takes more cows to really to utilize everything we have and everything the land's given us, uh, that's what we're going to do. So, so let's let's talk some numbers. You are running how many acres and how many head? Um, I'm, I'm running 160 uh, milking cows, and uh, I've got 60 replacements that w- that are bred and will be coming online in the spring, and I also have uh, 80 uh, new crop calves, new crop heifer calves, which I retained, and they all kind of, they're all different paddocks around the farm, but uh, we've got 348 grazable acres here to use, so I really think when we're all kind of where we need to be, we'll probably be close to 300 cows milking, and then the replacements and and the, the new crop calves, you know, will kind of fall in as they come along. So you're not buying in anymore. You're doing closed herd, and you're just bringing in um, AI and and working up your herd from your right. own, from that, your own that's, stock. That's the plan right now. Yep. And what's the rationale behind that? Just for our listeners who may not be um, necessarily um, totally literate in what a heifer is and all that kind of thing. Okay. Let, well, let's explain how how does it happen that you get. Um, you build your dairy herd. Okay. Well, I think it all starts with the fact that in order to get milk from a cow, you've got to you've got to get a pregnancy going there. So just like humans, uh, to get that flow of milk started in a lactation, we got to have a calf. So <clears throat> when you have a, when you have a herd of dairy cows, you're going to have half bull calves or male calves, and you're going to have half female calves or heifers and and from that point if you're wanting to build your herd you're going to need to retain your heifers and uh, generally that's what is done um, most of the time around here guys retain their heifers and then it'll be two years before that cow will actually be producing milk so in that two years time we've got to grow that animal uh, up to a breeding age uh, and breeding weight which is going to be about 60 to 70 percent of their of their mature weight. Um, so, for my cows, you know that's 650, 700 pounds uh, at breeding age, which would be at one year. So we do that, and we get a lot invested in these in these young animals. But that gives us something to replace our older animals or less desirable animals uh, when the time when the time comes. So when you start out. It's a little difficult because you don't have that that year of replacements on hand as you would uh, going into your third third or 
preferred lactation. So now I've got my homegrown replacements ready to come in next spring, uh, so we're setting in good shape there. Wow. And the let's let's also talk about where the economics um, factor in because when you when you started out, you brought on a new herd. Is that right? And how right. much were you I, paying I that animal? With, right. I started out with heifers, um, and the, the reason I did that uh, well, there's a couple reasons. In 2007, uh, we were we were getting ready to have a, a peak milk price. Okay. So animals were on the climb. The price of live animals were going up right right with the price of milk. So I started out with heifers, which is, you know, like I said before, that is uh, an animal that is going to have its first calf or first offspring. So that's kind of what we started at. Now those those critters can vary in price quite a bit, but right now the market's going anywhere from 850 a head to 1000 bucks a head for, for my type of of heifer. Does that kind of explain? So you at? kind of bought high, and now you're having to um, sell your milk low, which is an unfortunate exactly, situation yeah, when you have a volatile milk market. Right. That's not how you're supposed to run a business. <laughs> well, it seems like the dairy business is a pretty tough one. Uh, it is right now. It can be good, but uh, it, it's a little iffy right now, for sure. So, so if you were if you were going to counsel somebody else who was starting a, um, a grass-based dairy, say, mm-hmm. would you counsel them also to start with heifers, or or what would you say? You know, it, it would depend on the price. I, what I like about the heifer is she's she's got a lot of life left in her. the The problem is the first the first lactation is is most likely not going to produce as much milk as the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and so on. So you got to keep that in mind. If you've got a goal of, of how many pounds of milk you think you need to produce in a year to make payments, uh, to get started, etc., you might actually want to end up starting with, with more heifer animals. <clears throat> now, one thing you also have to realize is heifers may be the only thing readily available. Generally, people don't sell older cows uh, unless a milk price is bad or the cow's not too good. So, I think by buying heifers, you're gonna you're gonna buy a group of animals that has some time left in them. You know, five, six, maybe ten years of life of life, and you, you also have um, something that's available for you that way, and they're easily easily found. Mhm. And that's and that's um and then the kind of exception case would be if somebody's going out of business nearby. Sure. And they're liquidating their herd or Sure. Right. Or, and and at the time when I purchased animals nobody was even thinking about going out of business because they were getting the best price they'd had in several several years. So things are changing now. Now is probably a great time to get to get cheap cows. Sure. Yep. This is an excellent time to to get in the, the dairy business, um, especially if you're a young person, and uh, you can really get a good interest rate on some animals and uh, a farm even. So, yep, this is a good time to get going. I'm actually looking. Um, I'm going to be buying two two cows um, in, with calves mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of October, and just from um, just from a nearby farm who wanted 
um, size down their herd slightly. Sure. And you know that's just for like just for family size, just for us for in the house. Mhm. Um, and to do a little bit of you know a little bit here and there, but um, it's it's great you know to have to be able to keep the babies too and and then raise them because um, they're a good meat meat breed as well. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's. Uh... <clears throat> what's great about a milk cow, especially one if you have one or two at home, you know, they're going to make enough milk where you can let them raise the calf and you can still get a share of milk for yourself and the family and it all just works out pretty good. Um, let's talk a little bit about interest rates and about how um, young and beginning farmers can, can benefit from the low interest loans that Uncle Sam has been putting out. Have you been, um, have you been sure. tapped into the Farm Start program? Um, not exactly, but I am familiar with with some some of the local programs we have in the state of Missouri, and I think most of them are federally funded. And, what did uh, you make use of when you when you first took out your um, when you first took out your loan to get your herd started and get your operation up and running? What was your um, you came out of out of college, so you didn't probably didn't have a very good credit rating. No, well, I had a good credit rating, but I didn't have too many assets. And um, without assets to to borrow against, you're you're kind of out of luck. <clears throat> but the, the just kind of a broad spectrum of what programs are out there. There are several programs where um, if you're young enough, if you qualify, if you meet some guidelines, if you have a you know a, a good business plan and an education that kind of backs that up, or or uh, equivalent experience. Uncle Sam will will back you and uh, basically make it so you can borrow money to get started. Um, most of the time, they like to loan money on land because that's a very firm asset. And um, but then they'll also go on cattle and facilities of of different types and sizes. <clears throat> but there's also a guarantee program through the Farm Service Agency. And and that that is a program I took advantage of. They basically put reassurance to my lender that that you know this is a solid plan, it should work, um, and they kind of have stress uh, stress variables that they throw into your cash flow and and kind of test everything. Now, <clears throat> the one they threw in my cash flow was fifteen seventy five for milk. <laughs> And yesterday I got 11.90. So no matter who stress tested their their business plan last year, I don't think they saw this coming. But uh, that's those are a really programs sad. That are, that's a really sad thing to hear. Well, yeah, it is sad. Um, luckily, some you know it's, it's good and bad. There will be some producers who won't make it through, and that's that's bad to hear because a lot of families will be will be torn from the farm and will. We will see the farm size increase once again, and I don't think that's truly, truly healthy for American agriculture. But on the other hand, we're opening up new opportunity for folks, and I really hope young people will get out and and consider farming. Uh, you don't have to be from a farm to to get involved in agriculture by any means. There are programs out there for everyone. So, yep. Yeah, well, it seems to be that's the trend that I'm seeing um, as well. There's farm kids growing up on farms who are 
coming back home and figuring out how they can plug in and either, you know, refine what the, what their parents have been doing and, and, and reshape or resize parts of the operation to suit kind of a, a more contemporary market scene or change the direction of the farm or, you know, just figure out how to make it, how to make it work as it has been. And then all sorts of interesting and dynamic partnerships um, between landowners and land leasers, incubator farms, um, apprenticeships all over the country that then just spawn new farms. The amount of different ways that people are figuring out how to farm in America is truly astounding. So tell me, tell me what's going on or, or what's going on around you that's exciting. Well, let's see. That's kind of a big question, but... Uh... You know, right here we're we're kind of to tell you a little bit about the area I'm in. We're in a rolling hills area that has that has an abundance of pasture, but but also a balance of crop ground. And we're located kind of in between um, all the ethanol plants, which was you know that was kind of the last two years' big news around these parts uh, was all the ethanol boom and and the soy diesel plants and everything. But that's kind of starting to wear off a little bit because the returns in those businesses are likewise not very well, not very good. Um, but just just next door, actually, we had a we had a guy go in with a, a pasture poultry farm, and they're making lots of eggs over there right now, and uh, that's kind of been our big deal in the area. What's how many how many I've just been we're looking at our business plan right now to pe- plan for pasture poultry next year and um it's shaking out like if you don't do if you have 400 if you get to 400 that's like the minimum mm-hmm. um to make it really work what is what 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 kind of um numbers does he have uh he's he's pushing up upwards of 15,000 birds <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, a different scale over there it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Well, yeah, and I think part of the scale deal goes along with our farm sizes are are growing. The tracts of land um, in our area, you know, people put tracts together, and then as they age, they sell them. And when you buy land, you pretty much need to use it all to make it work out. Um, so I think that's why we tend to have larger, larger operations. Do you think it would be possible to have to have that size come down. I mean, around here, we see a lot of um, dairy farms go out of business. Um, the barns kind of fall apart and the fences fall down. It just turns into corn and soybeans, and then it seems difficult to to move from the corn and soybeans back into dairy just because the fences are all falling down and the barns are falling down. Sure. I mean, it seems hard to imagine things sizing down, but what do you, can you imagine it? Well... <laughs> Most likely not gonna going to happen without some sort of farm crisis, probably, <clears throat> because it's it's it is a little more simple to to uh, plant a entire property as opposed to build fences and and buildings and and maintenance those and and take care of animals. So as you know, as the number of farmers in the United States decreases, um, basically one guy has to do more work and. Uh, you know that usually involves planting a crop. So. Well, it sounds like we have some work to do. Indeed. A lot of fences to build, a lot of barns to to maintenance. Yep. But um, I'm really thrilled to have you on the on the on the radio today with us. 
And I wanted to just give you a chance to call out your website and um, any local institutions um, that are near you that you might want to have folks tap into. Okay. Well, my website is is, uh, is just hoffmanfarms.com, and you're welcome to go there. Actually, might be down today. I'm not sure. Um, but if you're interested in, in pasture dairy or dairy at all, you need to check out uh, the University of Missouri Extension website. That's muextension.com. And uh, there's been a lot of good work by those folks down there who've helped me out tremendously. And uh, they can get you on the right track with some ideas and, and can put you through to other folks that have some experience in this field. Well, like, look forward so much to seeing out at Farm Aid. We're going to be doing, um, Greenhorns is going to be doing a rural bicycle ride in La Plata, Missouri, on the 2nd of October. And then we'll be then we'll be at the Homegrown Urban Country Fair, which is at the Tower Grove Farmers Market on October second in the morning. And then the afternoon we'll be doing a urban bike bike farm tour um, in in St. Louis proper. And then on on Sunday it's Farm Aid, which is big Willie Nelson um, concert with uh, Neil Young and uh, Dave Matthews and John Mellencamp and phosphorescence and Wilco and a whole bunch of other bands, um, which is every year pretty amazing show. So I hope that you'll be there. And if you're if you're interested to come and be part of the Greenhorns booth, we have an extra we we have one extra ticket if you wanted to come. Okay. Well that sounds good. I think I could do that. Cool beans. Well I'll be in touch on email and I thank you all so much for joining us again on Greenhorns Radio. We are, as you know, Sponsored by Hearst Ranch. Delighted to be up in the Hudson Valley farming. Smithering Farm. Thank you kindly. Bye-bye.